let's hope this battery lasts, or maybe you'd be quite happy when it runs out. Um, let me quickly pray. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, and that they might be pleasing in your sight. And I pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I must uh, admit to being a little bit surprised by where my prayer and preparations have led me uh, in preparation for tonight's talk. It had uh, a lot to do with finding this image. If you could put it up for me, Polly, please. I, this, this is not a fake. I, I, haven't, um, I haven't done anything to change it. It's not a joke. Um, I found it on a conservation website. But essentially, this is a picture of what it looks like when something that's been in a tree for so long that the tree has essentially just engulfed it. It's grown around it and it's taken it into itself. So much so that the identity of one is distorted and changed by the other. And as a result, it is, it's no longer of any use. It's, it, it's no longer able for its original purpose. This bike, it, it, even, even if you and I could go up there and magically pull it out from the bark, there's no way that we could sit down and uh, just ride it away. It's no longer fit for its original purpose. Uh, thanks, Polly. You can take that down. We'll revisit that, that great image in a couple of minutes' time. But, I guess the point I'm trying to make, I think that this image points us to something I think that that's a key element and aspect of this chapter 19 from Luke. And he speaks about everything that, sorry, everything that chapter speaks to us about in offering us this simple illustration, obviously not of a bike in a tree, but of a man in a tree. It's not just Zacchaeus that's in the tree. That, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. I, I'm in the tree. You, you're in the tree. Um, what Luke wants us to see in the picture here, um, as illustrative of, is, is illustrative of how all of humanity is caught up. All of humanity is, is out of sync, uh, out of relationship. And at a distance, not just at a distance from God, but all of humanity is at a distance one from the other. Zacchaeus is, is an outcast. Um, so often when we hear this passage read um, and, 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 and thought about and preached, uh, we get that sense of um, who he was, the significance of that. Um, I'll touch on it a little bit later, but I'm going to come at this from a slightly different angle uh, tonight in the few minutes that we have to look at this passage. Um, He wasn't just a a tax collector. He was a a chief uh, tax collector, um, and uh, he he really would have been disliked as a result of that. So he was not only an outcast and hated by uh, his own people, but he was also someone who was out of relationship with God. And uh, we can uh, unpack that a little bit more in the few minutes that uh, are coming. Things here on the earth are not as they, are, as they were intended to be. 
But more importantly, this distance and distortion of how things should be is exactly what Jesus came to reverse. Exactly what Jesus has come to restore and through his death, redeem. This is, essentially, this is central to Luke's thinking. And it's not just this past that, that Luke uses to uh, tell us about why Jesus came and what Jesus came to do. Uh, if we kind of scan backwards from chapter 19, we realize we can find it in the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Jesus has come to bring a lost and hurting human existence, like the bike caught in that tree here, no longer fully able for its original purpose, home again, bringing us back into community with God and back into community with each other. So it's with all of that in mind, coming a little bit from a different angle, that I want us to think through and have a look at two of the areas that Luke highlights through this story. I want us to look firstly at the desire of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus. And then secondly, I want us to finish by thinking about ourselves and how this story and this illustration of a man in a tree might speak into your life and might speak into my life tonight. So first, let's begin by thinking about the desire of Jesus. I think Luke works particularly hard that we might see Jesus' identification with sinners is a major theme of Luke's gospel. In fact, the Bible is full of moments with movement just like this one. People moving from misunderstanding to understanding or in terms of what this passage says, people moving from a failure to recognizing Jesus to recognizing Jesus. The story from our text tonight, it doesn't just describe the movement of Zacchaeus to G- towards Jesus. It is also the remarkable account of the movement towards Zacchaeus on the part of Jesus himself as he floods the cultural norms and typical expectations on the way to revealing himself to Zacchaeus with the new life of his kingdom. And just dawning on me, there's another movement as well. It's not just Zacchaeus who's led to the brink of seeing who Jesus really is. It's the disciples too. And you can see in in the dialogue, in the muttering, in the complaining from the crowd and how they might treat Zacchaeus differently. People are, whether they liked it or not, brought face to face with the desire of Jesus, which was being worked out right in front of their eyes through Jesus' pursuit of someone like Zacchaeus, where distinctions between men and women, clean and unclean, Jew and Gentile, saints and sinners, no longer have any validity. This kind of healing, this kind of new life, is what Jesus had come to bring. To bring this new, this kind of healing and to bring this kind of new life is the desire of Jesus. Now, I guess on reflecting on this, I was thinking, well, maybe that's not such a wise place to start. That's something we all know. 
But I don't know what about your experience of what, is, what it's like for you to be a Christian. I find that these things are, are constantly under threat. Where the idea that God is good is constantly under threat. It's constantly being challenged in my mind. What is he? Is God really who he says he is? Am I really who God says I am? And when life and the way that life can work out and crash around us would seek to have us believe that this is not what God is like. That God's kingdom is not like this story in this illustration of Zacchaeus. Well, we need to hold on to stories and illustrations like this one. And when life and the way that life works uh, out around us and crashes about us would seek to have us believe that we're, we're on our own in life. We're stuck in that tree. We're stuck in our broken patterns of thinking and living and relating. Well, we need to hold on to stories and illustrations like this one. Turn with me. We're going to look at the connection between verses 5 and, and 9. Verses 5 and 9. If you've got it, you can open it in front of you. Jesus' words in, in, in verse 5, I must stay in your house, evolves and progresses to Jesus' words in verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house. Luke is reminding us that Jesus' presence is what makes the difference. Jesus' presence is what makes the the difference. Where Jesus is, there is salvation. Where Jesus is, there is salvation. Where Jesus is, there is healing. Where Jesus is, there is hope. Where Jesus is, there is total restoration. No darkness. No sorrow. And this isn't some kind of random um, theme that Luke has just picked up. This This is true of the broader biblical narrative. In God there is hope. There is life. There is redemption. There is restoration. The kingdom which was breaking in through the life and presence of Jesus meant that salvation came. And that in his person and presence was a reversal of all that holds humanity out of relationship and at a distance. Like I said earlier, not just at a distance from God, but that which would seek to distance us one from another. If you just move on to verse 10, again, Luke says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus, mysteriously, remarkably, fully man, fully God, came not to the perfect, not to the sorted, not just for the strong and the apparently confident for the secure for the competent but Luke says to the lost 
An important aspect of the story here, especially in terms of our understanding more about Jesus' desires, is how Luke presents us with Jesus relaxing in the company of what some people would have thought were just the wrong types of people. Like I said earlier, nobody in Jericho would have liked Zacchaeus. Because he just wasn't a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. This wasn't a major city, this was a town. People, probably everybody would have known who he was. And I'm sure, thinking about this earlier, they'd probably be horrified to think that of, of all of the people that would be remembered from that place would be Zacchaeus known by name to millions of people thousands of years later. It's quite remarkable, really. And while nothing of the private life of Zacchaeus is revealed in the story, this much we know on principle. No one can be privately righteous while participating in and profiting from a program that robs and crushes other people. Jesus saw through the layers of graft and greed and through the callous contempt for his fellow citizens and the other distortions. And in the words of Paul, he called, Jesus called things that are not as though they are. Seeing Zacchaeus as representative of the lost coin, the prodigal son coming home again. I couldn't help but um, but just be reminded of my own story a little as I've prepared for how to maybe present Zacchaeus in a slightly different way tonight. I think I'm just, I just find myself so grateful again that someone completely high off their head, sniffing anything I could do to get high. Would, wouldn't be beyond God's reach. That's the only reason I'm here, is because that wasn't, that I wasn't someone that he didn't consider because of that. He didn't hold that lifestyle against me. He, he loved me jealously, even though I was out harming myself and doing all different kinds of ridiculous things with my time and my energies and my relationships. And I was a mess. I can still remember, it was a summer night, we'd been out drinking and making all kinds of trouble around the town, and we were down in this public park that was down by a river, and um, it was just one of those beautiful nights, you know, where the, the air is still, we'd been playing football, there was a real sense of camaraderie, I was looking around at all my friends, but I can remember standing up and walking to the wall by where the river was, and just thinking, this is not what I want to do with my life. I'm, 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 I don't like who I am. I don't like what my life has become. And it's funny, thinking about some of the ministry time, people have talked about the conference this week in ECC, some of the ministry time in particular was really quite powerful, where God was gracious to us. 
and he poured out his spirit as we waited and prayed together just down the road here. And I was reminded of it because that night in the park while I was down completely high, I don't know where this fits into my theology of salvation or anything like that, but the Spirit of God came on me. Just, I was wild. I was off the rails. And even then, even though my ducks weren't in a row, and at that time I wasn't living a life that would glorify God in any kind of a way, and giving my parents all kinds of grief, even then... On a, on, on, a, on a lost coin, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, a down and out like I was, he was gracious enough to send his spirit on me in a park. And there was this sense of, this is not what I'm for. This is, this is not what I'm for. And it, was a, it was a very similar experience to one of the ones I had this week in the, the cinema up the road, actually, which is what prompted my memory. I was Zacchaeus. We're never too far. We're never so far gone. That's funny, we say the words, but I think there's still, I don't, I'm sure there's some kind of theological phrasing for it. My mind just can't handle any more theology. But where we say something but disqualify ourselves from what we're saying almost simultaneously. As far as the East is from the West, he's taken our sins from us. That was, that was me, that, that guy high on drugs in the park when the Spirit of God came on me and, and put that dissatisfaction in my heart. This is not, this is not what I, what I need to be doing. Moving on, I want to finish by asking you a question. How might you be like Zacchaeus? Earlier on I started, as I started, I mentioned that it's not just Zacchaeus that's in the tree. That it's you, that it's me. That this picture of a man in a tree is illustrative somehow of this distance, this um, distortion there is of um, humanity being out of relationship with God and, and uh, out of relationship with one another. There's a danger, I think, in, in the view of some that would just say that this story is nothing more than an account of somebody who was short and couldn't see. It's amazing. I was quite, quite stunned by it. People have actually printed books with biblical commentators saying nothing more than that. It was quite, quite remarkable, actually. I think this story is so much more than somebody who was literally just too short to see over the person in front of them. I think, if you can put that slide up again, Polly, please. I think uh, Zacchaeus maybe felt a little bit like this bike. Maybe a little bit like I did in the park that night. He didn't like who he was. Or he didn't like what he had become, what had grown around him. And how his identity had been changed. But like I've said, this story is bigger. 
and broader than Zacchaeus. I think this is our story. I think it's my story. I think it's your story. It speaks right into the heart of not just what it might mean to come to faith, but I think that it speaks right into the heart of ongoing Christian discipleship. If Jesus' presence is what makes the difference, like I suggested just a couple of minutes ago, if where Jesus is, there is salvation, healing, hope, and restoration, then I wonder if the distance from Jesus, illustrated by the tree, speaks of the parts and places in our lives that are still maybe far from him. Areas we maybe haven't invited him into. Areas maybe we haven't trusted him fully for or let go of completely. The distance from Jesus illustrated by the tree speaks, I think, about areas where we might be still caught up in sin, where our true identity is under threat and where our original purpose constricted and my question I guess is whether or not you can identify with him at all feeling a desire to get closer to Jesus but maybe embarrassed by what you feel you might have to do to engage with that or fearful of the potential costliness of it I can identify with him. What what it means to come face to face with something in your own life, uh, maybe a pattern of thought, uh, a, a, a broken way of relating to other people. I can identify to that. I can identify with that. The repentance here isn't just a lone transaction of the heart which was made in private, alone in a tree. Here, repentance bears fruit. The whole of Zacchaeus' life is affected, which is a foretaste of the complete reign of God that we will all experience When Jesus comes again and reigns completely and all-powerfully. Zacchaeus' finding of Jesus has personal, domestic, social and economic dimensions. So with that in mind... Just for a moment, imagine this illustration of the distance that we see in this picture of Zacchaeus in a tree. That distance from Jesus. What might there be in your life? What might there be in your heart? In the ways that you relate? There are maybe areas that are far from God. stand together.